Have you ever been on a podcast before? No, but I've been asked like one or two times, but never actually been. Oh, I feel so special. <laughs> You're oh, the you first. Turn, you turned it on everybody else. Like, no. I know. Sorry. Don't have the time. I'm, I would love to. I'm saving myself. <laughs> For the right podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was still in these lounge chairs. I know how you feel. <laughs> Actually killed his best friend. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I was like, I'm talking about a lizard, man. Tricked some guys into blowing him, I guess. And then like, the whole thing sounds like a bad time. There it is. Right. I'm trying to remember, I was trying to remember your last name. Okay. Yeah, Amanda uh, Leon. Mm. Or Leon, however, it. right. however it's pronounced. Leon. Leon? Leon, Leon. Is there an E on the end? Like Leone? No. L E O N. You're not fancy. No. Mm. But you can pretend you're fancy with anything, really. Like Target, Leon. This is true. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm here with yeah. Amanda Leon. <laughs> oh, uh, man. The next episode of Discoursers. I don't know the number of this episode. I have no idea. I'll stop keeping track of that just in case they're out of order as well. And we're here once again. She is, she's actually come through uh, with couch surfing. Yeah. And actually, probably a lot of people listening to this have no idea what the fuck couch surfing is. What? Do they live yeah. under a rock? I think the people that live under the rocks are the one that are on couch surfing. That's but actually that's more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, couch surfing has been around since what, 2012? No, I feel like 2006, actually. Yeah. 2006, I want to say. Quite a while. Yeah. And it's a website where basically if you're traveling, you get to hit someone up to stay on their couch for a couple right. of nights traveling through. You hang out with them. You both have no idea who the fuck the other person is. No, no idea. Could be a serial killer, but that's Don't why there the are surprise. references. That's the end of the that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> that's the surprise. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> but the surprise will be which one of us is the serial killer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like the the. Um, <laughs> oh, what was it called? Oh, fuck it. We'll just get that. All right. Yeah. So you hit me up on there because you're headed up around the United States touring polo clubs. Yeah. And not as in shirts. But as in the actual fucking horse. Yes, not in the water, not water polo, not donning a speedo and headgear anytime soon. But yeah, on a horse, playing polo, going to every single club in America. Okay. I'm so stoked about it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you don't wear the, the skimpy on the horse? No, you Like wear the water polo stuff on the horse? No, you definitely want to wear as much protective gear as possible. So kind of like we were talking about motorcycles, mm -hmm. you know, all gear all the time. Definitely a helmet, knee pads. It gets brutal in there. Yeah. There's there any, do you have, like, do you ever foul? Like, do people hit you with a mallet? Yes. I've what? been hit with a ball, like, in my back. On purpose? On my, like, calf. No, 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 not on purpose. Oh. Yeah. No, but I've been whacked, for sure. But nobody's gotten pissed at another person who's hit him with a mallet. Just... Oh my gosh. No, it's not hockey. Come on. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're above that. Like, come on. Oh, I'm too good for violence. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. But you do get like ramming your horse into somebody else's horse and people fall all the time. Mm. Horses fall on top of them. It's a pretty brutal sport. And I mean, it's the second most dangerous sport in the world. So it really isn't a joke. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm laughing now, but <laughs> when I say that, but I mean, it's it's intense. It's serious. Like people die. So yeah, it's an interesting world. Sounds fun. Yeah, sounds fun. You were telling me earlier that you originally got into it because you went to an auction. And one of the auction items was that it was like a free course in polo, right? Yeah. So it was a silent auction that benefited uh, children's cancer research. And nobody was bidding on uh, polo lessons. And I think it was like 90 bucks to open up the bid. And I was like, okay, this money goes to charity. Let me just open it up. There's no way I'll ever win. Right. I mean, and so I did. And lo and behold, the next day I got an email saying, you won you have a polo lesson and I've maybe ridden a horse two or three times in my life at that point. It's like, okay, here we go. Let's do this. And I went to that lesson and I was hooked. How much did it take to get over the fear of this animal that could kill you? Oh, it's good to keep that fear. It's good to keep a healthy amount of fear (laughs) that there is a thousand plus wild animal underneath you Mm. that could fall on you and kill you by accident you know not even intentionally not maliciously right so it's good to keep a healthy fear but i've never had i don't know a big fear of it i don't know why i mean i've gotten on motorcycles gotten on horses swam with sharks in the galapagos like i don't maybe i just like in a cage no not in a cage literally through a channel 300 yards away a school of at least 100 sharks while I'm snorkeling nice. in open water. Yeah. And I just don't know why. Maybe I wasn't born with that Darwinistic, hey, you need to survive right. instinct or something. Well, you'd figure the Galapagos was the perfect way, place to find I that. Mean, Come on. What, like, put that on my gravestone. Done. Yeah. She lived a good life. Done. <laughs> yeah, get out there and get it, man. I mean, if you never do anything to endanger your own life in a way, in the pursuit of passion or excitement or whatever, yeah. you're missing out. Are you truly living? You don't even know what life is. Right? I don't I don't think you're truly living. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Mm. And right now you're like I said earlier, you're traveling around. Yeah. Uh, and you're you're doing it pretty hardcore. <laughs> hardcore parkour. <laughs> yeah, hardcore parkour. Uh, you're really serious about this polo thing. Like, yeah. Kinda like going for broke. Going for pro. Yeah. I mean, they have that phrase, but this like really applies to you. Like, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Just just going out and and, and doing and, and and my guess is it's expensive. Yeah. To do. Yeah, and certainly. There uh, there's a reason that only rich people, like not only rich people, but primarily people who are pretty well off, yeah, have done it in the past. Right. So you're definitely dropping a lot of money on it to keep yeah. up with it. Yeah, I'm definitely dropping some serious dough for sure. Um, but I also, I think, I think, and I mentioned this to you earlier too, whatever you want to do, you will find a way to do it. So you don't do other things, right? Like I don't get a Starbucks every morning. I know everybody uses that stupid like saying, I don't have a $5 Starbucks every morning. But right, it's true, right. I don't do that. I don't buy expensive makeup from Sephora Mm -hmm. you know I don't I don't do a lot of things so that I can kind of save all of that money and put towards what I want and so yeah I definitely won't go broke I'm too financially responsible for that 
Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely expensive, but I think um, when you have a passion for something, can you can you put a price on that really? And as long as you're doing it reasonably and not going broke, right? Go for it. Spend your money on what you want. Like buy that motorcycle, buy that you know little cabin by the lake, or buy whatever it is you want. I don't know that plastic surgery. I don't know whatever it is. I wouldn't. I would advise against the plastic surgery personally. But, I mean, <laughs> really? You know, what do you have really against plastic surgery? Ah, uh, like, oh, there's let's a get whole into this. body dysmorphia thing involved there that that. Plastic surgery is never going to fix that dysmorphia. It could. I don't know. I think it's just replaced with something else. Another another little thing that you didn't work on and another thing is going to pop up. How many times can you aesthetically fix something without fixing it, fixing it? But maybe the plastic surgery is part of the healing process. The acknowledging that, hey, yes, I've been like really self-conscious about this. Mm-hmm. And I've come to terms with it. And I'm also going to do something about it. I think part of that is also taking a little power back. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. To me, it's your body. Whatever you want to do, whatever makes you feel good, do it. That's your body. That's your canvas. Do what you want to it. True. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. 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 I think as long as people are handling their dysmorphia issues and the fact that their mom told them they were fat or <laughs> whatever the hell happened to them, you know? Yeah. Like whoever told them they were fat when they were young or their nose was too big or whatever it was. Yeah. That's not going to get rid of that. Is there a story here for no. you? <laughs> no, I've just known people that that's why they get it, you know? Yeah. Because they've just been pressured most of their life that they're they're not normal. They're not just in this way. Ears are too big and need to be clipped back mm-hmm. or you know, nose is too big or like your eyes are not big enough or now you have crow's feet here and now you're never gonna, you're never gonna find a husband or a wife or blah, blah, with this. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm not a fan. But you were living out in LA for a while, right? Yes, probably the capital of plastic Mm -hmm. surgery. Yeah, I like to tell people that I was really a pretty girl in Texas, but I was certainly the ugliest girl in Los Angeles. <laughs> like a hundred percent, like went from like a nine to a two, just mm, like that right. overnight. Because that city, it just like, it pulls every beautiful person who wants to be an actress or be a model or whatever from around the country, actually around the world. And then on top of that, they do everything to get that extra leg up that extra 20% above mm. everybody else. So, yeah, it's um, it's a great place <laughs> other than <laughs> what might be considered a vapid place. It's actually really wonderful. And I told you, you have to give it a second chance. Perhaps. I know it's got a diversity to it, but there's <laughs> different areas that are for different things and different clicks that you go to and all. Like, but you, you have to find them. They're not really like a, you just kind of stumble on it. But that's the great part is like the discovery of it. Yeah, no, I can dig that. Yeah. I just didn't have a lot of time when I went. That's true. You were only visiting. Right. You can't really get entrenched. Yeah. So but. I didn't, yeah. So I, I, well, I think I told you I was supposed to be there for like a week or like nine days. And after three days, I was like, yeah, I'm going back to Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck all this noise. I'm mm. good. When you go back, I have a list of food places where I will send you for excellent food. Okay. Don't worry. None of them will be vegan places. <laughs> and... I, I I know how to tailor a thing for you. You will enjoy Los Angeles. I promise. Okay. 
I'm gonna trust you because that vegan burger was pretty good. It, was, it wasn't really good. Oh, so you're admitting that you had a vegan burger and I did. you enjoyed I did. it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And now I'm gonna get dragged, hashtagged all over the internet now. Yeah, um, honestly, apparently. you're gonna lose a lot of friends. Yeah. That was my plan actually, so that like I could have more friends and like you get ostracized from because you now you have to only be friends with vegans because the meat eaters will no longer accept you. Oof. <laughs> I like Once you. Once they know. <laughs> I like you. But a lot of, I would say, I wouldn't say a lot of vegans, but there's some vegans out there when they show up with their priest collar on and they're, yeah. you know. I mean, once you Don't you know what you're eating? <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I think you've met a lot of these people. <laughs> I think that was actually more, what's the, um, what's the environmentalist name? The, the, the Swedish girl she's like a teenager oh Greta yeah you are destroying the world oh my gosh but is she wrong no (laughs) okay but she was also taking private jets everywhere to do talks about environmentalism oh no she did not she took an eco yacht a couple of times when the media was around (laughs) when the media was around who am I to judge I mean when you can fly private trust me baby you fly private you're like screw the earth Oh, we're going in a private jet. I don't have to go through security. Let's pop some bottles. I am on this. I'm deaf down for that. (laughs) Definitely down. It's just that I'm not going to get on a Zoom podcast on a private plane and talk to people about environmentalism. Mm. I might talk shit about people who are talking about environmentalism on a plane. Mm. The hypocrisy is what really rubs you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes it a bit of a lie to me personally. I think we're all a little bit hypocrites to some degree. I agree. But but I think you're right. To When it's a greater degree and then when you're a public figure, you have more of a responsibility mm-hmm. to your platform. So you can only be this much of a hypocrite, like a little bit. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Got a hypocrite quota. <laughs> Got to keep it low. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, you have a marketing company. Yes, I yes. do. So... When you market, are you, are, you, are you more social media marketing? No, no. So my, I like to call it a lab and an agency. On one side, it's an agency, right? Anything a typical agency does. So like billboards, websites, commercials, social media, just like you said. Anything conventional, great. We do that. We have a mm-hmm. team for that. Um, the other part is a lab. So it's very much like a strategic uh, consulting firm. So any business problem that any business has, we can solve it. And I know that sounds very audacious. No, that's what I do for my job. If there's yeah. a problem, I do it. If Whether it's video editing or whether it's whatever it yeah. is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what my company does. And honestly, that's what I loved the most about it is that people do conventional fixes to typical problems all the time. So say sales are low. People say, oh, just hire more salespeople. Mm-hmm. Or offer more products that your customers might like. These are all band-aid fixes to low sales. When you really get into the meat of things and you do an ethnographic study, you do research studies, you start to understand actually the problem might be X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. So let's test that hypothesis. Okay, I think the problem's X, Y, or Z. Create an experiment, run that experiment, analyze the data, and see, oh, this actually, this fix actually worked. So you need to roll this out to all 500 of your locations. 
because it's what's actually going to increase sales mm. rather than some band-aid fix. Right. Figuring out that you're not quite, say, you're not quite getting this ad to these eyes. Yeah. Like, why is that? It's really, yeah, like putting a scientific method to fix a problem rather than band-aid fixes. Because there are a lot of people out there who will just take your money. Like they're like, oh, they'll, you know, they'll sell you snake oil. And it's like, I've got the perfect solution for that. Here it is. But it doesn't really get to the root of a problem. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, as a society, we do that a lot too. We like to, because it's quicker, right? Throw some Neosporin on it, put a Band-Aid on it, done. But what happens when like it's rotting underneath? Yeah. So, and a lot of times, I think with the snake oil salesman type, it placebo fixes it for a little bit because it raises yes. the morale of the people who right. oh, own I did the something. business. Yeah. Right. For a brief time yeah. and then suddenly crash again. Right. If they don't do anything different, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, there's a crash again. Yeah. But it's uncomfortable to scoop out the poison and painful sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to realize mostly that it's whoever's running the business, it's your fault. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Well, I never say that to clients. But I mean, that's kind of the thing. That, that's <laughs> the personal responsibility of going like, all right, the way I've been running this sucks, yeah. obviously, because it's not working. So yeah. now I have to take someone's advice when they go, when I'm, I'm sure you probably run into people that are very, they really want to do something. They're like, no, I just really yes. want to do this. And you're like, yeah. no, don't do that. Exactly. And so I always tell them, in my opinion, this is what we should do, but I will do what you want to do. But here's why I think we should do this approach. But I said, but if you want me to, I will do exactly. So one of the things is people come to me like, I want to make flyers and I want to do like a big ad campaign and create this and that. I said, well, what you really need is a decent website mm -hmm. so that when you spend money on a Google AdWord campaign and they get to your website, that they like your website and it's mm. sticky and it's engaging and it pulls you in. It's like, I can take your money and run a Google AdWord campaign for you. And you will spend it and people will go to your website, but it's not going to turn clients for you. Mm -hmm. So again, you kind of explain to them, but eventually you have to give the client what they want. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I'm, I'm a pretty like, no, that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Like how many times do I have to tell you? You know, you want me to put my face on this work? No. Come on. Sometimes some of us have to learn the hard way. Yeah, this is true. Uh, I do that my job, my, my real job, which I don't talk a lot on here about it, but it, it involves some ads, things like that, and telling people like, listen, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like the thing you sent over, it just kind of sucks. Like it's pixely and it looks like shit. And yeah. the, the negative space is all off and all these other things. Right. And you try to tell them and they're like, well, no, I think it looks pretty. And you're like, okay, well, pretty, pretty is not necessarily the only dimension mm -hmm. you're thinking about. That's one of them, you know. Yeah. But you're always thinking about effectiveness. Like, if somebody just briefly goes past it, are they gonna remember that brand name? Right. You know, like, is it rel is it uh, prevalent enough in the ad for somebody to go, bam? Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And I'll get in some fights with people about that <laughs> a, little, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I was like, trust me, I've seen a million of these things. Like, yeah. this is not going to work. And I, I, I wouldn't say I'm vindictive, but. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I'm vindictive. <laughs> right, right. No, but I will, but I will like politely send them stats afterwards and be like, look, when, when yeah. I was saying, this is not to say I told you so, but this is just to say that like, look, 
you're going to have to work on this right. because your stats were ter terrible. Your click-through yeah. rate was not good, you know, so jump on that. Jump on <laughs> jump, that. You know, we need to jump on this. Yeah, so. definitely. <laughs> Where do you think that the, uh, the line between propaganda and sales kind of like 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 <laughs> manipulative propaganda and sales where like where do you think that line is propaganda sales so i'm honestly i think a terrible person to ask this question just because i don't know much about sales i never considered myself a salesperson i think i'm terrible at it because i don't want to give anybody anything that they don't want you know mm. what i mean if you don't want my help don't take my help you know if you don't think what i do is valuable or helpful we're not a good match. Right. And so again, I'm not a good salesman. So yeah, so I don't really know where the line between that and manipulative um, propaganda. I, I don't think we've seen the likes of, actually no, that's not true. I was gonna say, I don't think we've seen the likes of manipulative propaganda since, you know, the Japanese internment and things like that where it was just really in your face. Mm -hmm. um, manipulative propaganda on a mass scale but actually I think we do I mean even in I mean watch this is gonna make me never get these people as a client but look at General Mills right and the stuff that they put on their cereal it's very obviously targeted towards children mm -hmm. right and all of the stuff in that cereal is not good for children right and so carbs and sugar <laughs> Right, and so at what point, you know, it's it's manipulative, right? It's like has these colors and these cartoons that these kids are familiar with, and it's propaganda. It's it's not actually great for them, but they want it, and eventually, if they scream enough, they get it. Mm. And so and they're also slightly addicted to it. Yes, exactly. Sugar is highly addictive. Mm. I remember one of my former CEOs. He was like, "Don't need to be in the cocaine business because I'm in the sugar business because right. it's just as addictive." Yeah. to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard because you kind of, you want some regulation, right, that people who aren't as educated about these things can be protected from these very aggressive tactics. Mm -hmm. But you also can't have too much regulation because then you're crushing free enterprise and, and businesses. Right. Kind of eliminating that free market competition yeah you can't quiet like yeah. freedom of speech too much but yeah there's this weird line right right and it, i honestly don't know personally it's kind, where it's kind of weighing out what's the personal responsibility of say the parent or the person buying it versus the warnings that the government can give you or what they say you can and cannot say about something right. like for example you can put natural on anything right you can say anything is natural organic is more heavily policed but again, like most of us don't really know the difference. And we're very, you and I, everyone, even if you're even educated about this, we're very susceptible to marketing. It's mm -hmm. very alluring and very convincing. What do you think is the best ad you've ever seen? <coughs> the best, something that just caught you and you're just like, holy shit. The best that got me. ad I've ever seen. Oh gosh, I can't even think of that. I'm trying to think, what did I see? And like, yes, need that, want that. Um... I on it. Like, can you tell me something? I can't think of anything. I think I was mentioning earlier about Bill Burr's podcast, the uh, Monday Morning Rants. Yeah. When he talks about MeUndies. 
Yes. The, the company that's always talking to a podcast. <clears throat> you can talk to me. <clears throat> Send me an email. Um, <laughs> but did you go buy that? You've no, heard I didn't. It a million times, but I didn't you buy it. it. But at the time when it really hit me, I wasn't wearing underwear anyway. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, these guys are barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I wasn't wearing underwear, but I still remembered it. That's a good ad. To remembering me is good, but what's even better than remembering is buying action. Truth. Yeah, action. Um, yeah, honestly, I can't. I can't think of an ad. I like some of the old commercials from uh, the 90s. Oh, my God. That got real crazy. Yes. Like Gushers <laughs> commercials and shit. That got real ab- abstract, like Kafka-esque almost. Oh, my gosh. Real weird. My sister used to sing some ads. And, okay, I'll remember one because she always used to sing it. I think it was like, there ain't no fleas on me. Yes. There ain't no fleas on me. There may be bugs on some of you other mugs, but there ain't no fleas on me. Canine Advantix. <laughs> she would sing it so often. And I so I still remember the ad. And I probably have bought Canine Advantix for my dogs in the past. So that one, yes, effective. There you there go. There you go. They yeah. get the gold medal. And you didn't even get direct experience with it. No, it just I did sister. it. My <laughs> sister. They hooked my little sister. She started singing it. Yeah. And then I had to hear it all the time. Yeah. That's a damn good ad. That's a damn That's good. Right. That is a damn good. Who are those people? I want to work with those people. Right. Make me a jingle. <laughs> uh, jingles things seem like a thing of the past now. Like there's some every now and then. It's real short. But it's more of a slogan jingle. It's like a short little thing where it's like two no, two or three notes. Yeah. You know? I think we need to bring them back because that was super effective. I agree. I agree. <laughs> People just walking around singing commercials. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the borderline right there between evil propaganda <laughs> and fucking marketing. That's the If you're walking around going, I can't not think of this. I can't not think of this. Because then it becomes 1984 and I'm like, yes, I love it. I love Canine Advantix and right. that jingles are the way. I love Big Brother. Big Brother is good for me. Exactly. I'm saying Canine Advantix is great for me and my dog. Right. <laughs> that was a good voice for the uh, for the for the, ad. for the side effects list on a on a medication. <laughs> Just calm, you know? calm. May cause death. And you're like, oh, that's fine. Liver oh. failure. Liver failure. Loss of sight. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of another ad. I, for some reason, I always remember Versace ads. Really? I don't know why. Yeah, because where did you see Versace? For some reason, ads? they pop on my Facebook and Instagram. I don't know why, because my Facebook and Instagram have no idea who I am, because I have like such varied interests. So it has no idea who I am and what I want, and that's kind of a cool thing because I can that see all kind thing. of ads. And the Versace ads come up, and they're just so weird. It's like some dude just like coming out of like breaking, slowly breaking out of water with a close up on their face and they've got yes. sunglasses on and their face is painted gold and yes. then it switches to a bunch of gold glitter coming down from a room and a woman sitting in the middle in a black and white dress split down the middle. Wow, you like, really know this ad. What, is, what does this mean? <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think the higher end the brand, the more elusive the meaning. Mm. They want you to be confused. They want you to constantly mull over in your head because the brain is wired to figure things out, especially the male mind. Like you want to fix the problem. You want to solve it. You want to understand. And so, yeah. So I guess it's pretty effective because you've been thinking about it. They're like, what does it mean? Yeah. I mean, do they make underwear? That's my question, I think. 
I they have, they make underwear. I'm buying it. <laughs> You're gonna buy it. Yeah, Screw me undies. I'm yeah. going Versace. Exactly. Baby. <laughs> Sorry, me undies. I don't want you as a sponsor anymore. <laughs> Versace is all the way. I know this all is such a way. this is such a high class podcast that Versace is gonna jump on this in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, 100. percent Yeah. What's that? Oh look, I got a call on my phone. There they are. Oh shit. <laughs> Speaking of marketing. Speaking of marketing. Marketing. So you did pageants, right? Yeah. Is this mostly an adult, or did you do it when you were a kid? As an adult, um, I definitely don't think I wouldn't put my young girls in a beauty pageant. Mm. Um, I think it's important to do it as an adult where you can kind of understand what it's about because I don't think it is what most people think it is. My so, little sister was actually in them when she was a kid, so I got like a kind of a feel for that. Really? It's like burning the shit out of their hair. And like burning their scalp and they're doing their hair and like putting the makeup on. The kid just wants to go outside and fucking play in the dirt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's miserable. No, so to me, like beauty pageant. So I was in the Miss Universe circuit and it has three parts to it. So one part, yes, you know, how do you present yourself? Like how do you look in an evening gown? Mm-hmm. And then you have like swimsuit, which is physical fitness. And then the third one is the interview portion. So they're all three weighted the same way. So it's actually not just about beauty. It's, okay, um, can you have like a fitness goal and then reach it? And then also, how articulate are you? Do you care about things outside of yourself? And honestly, it was funny because I went to all girls prep school most of my life. There were a lot of smart girls there. I was a pretty decently smart kid. And people ask me, why would you do a beauty pageant, Amanda? Why would you, why would you ever do that? Um, those girls are dumb. Like, why would you? And I couldn't help but feel that, wow, these people are judging something that they actually know nothing about. And for some reason, that compelled me to want to know about it and to want to do it. Right. The more people talked smack about it, when all I had gotten was a letter in the mail, I hadn't even decided to do it. I'd gotten a letter in the mail and was invited to participate. And Wait, I just from told what? Them, just randomly? They just picked yeah. a random person and was just <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, Miss Texas USA just sent me like, I don't know, maybe they did like a mass mailing campaign or something to girls of a certain age. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't even decided to do it, but everybody was just trashing on it. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to find out what this is about. And so I entered and I discovered that I was never, I was never a girl that had... Um, role models in my life you know I didn't have a picture of Michael Jordan or Mother Teresa or anything on I never had role models really Mm -hmm. Um, but when I got to Miss Texas USA those women were the smartest most beautiful caring intelligent women I'd ever met in my life Hmm. and I thought if I were to have a role model I would want these women to be my role model I mean, they were doctors, they were lawyers, they were, you know, articulate, they had charities that they cared about, that they raised money for. I don't know, like, they were great women to me, and they were nice to me, you know, they would help me put my eyelashes on, and I didn't know how to do these things, and so I thought... Right. So it's not 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 nearly as, like, Shark Tank competitive as people like to think. No, or they're not as dumb and vapid as people like to think, and I think that's something we do so much. We look on the outside, and we dismiss something for what it looks like on the outside and don't get me wrong just like LA there are certainly some career pageant women who had two suitcases worth of makeup Mm. and only cared about themselves but the vast majority weren't that way 
So then, yeah, I would do another beauty pageant later in California when I was in college. And um, that was also just another great experience. I don't know. I like gave speeches with the mayor of the city of Pasadena. I like, raised a lot of money for this underprivileged um, after school program that I did with nice. kids. And yeah, I don't know. It was great. I actually, so actually that ties into Polo randomly because I had Brooks Brothers from Rodeo Drive and Lululemon as sponsors of me in the pageant. So I kind of learned how to put myself out there and get sponsors. Okay. And so that's what I'm doing with Polo as well. So in a weird way, doing a beauty pageant at 18 or 17 years old mm -hmm. has somehow tied in to life now. But yeah, hmm. it's the can't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> Moral of the story. I have assumptions sometimes on that as well. Maybe not just with the pageant thing, but I think with uh, mm -hmm. the fact that when you see a pretty person, not just a woman, but mm -hmm. just a pretty person just in general, mm -hmm. you kind of think, well, there's a, there's a pretty big chance that this person has kind of skated through yeah, totally. on these looks. Yeah. And I'm not going to say there's a ratio of like there's more or less or whatever. This is my own assumption. Yeah. But there's, and it's been proven right sometimes, not a lot, but sometimes. <laughs> with it, yeah, I think a lot of people have that. Well, a lot of not pretty people like me. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you consider yourself a not pretty person? I consider myself a not pretty person. Why? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, my teeth are fucked up. So, so there's you're that. you're self-conscious about your teeth? I'm not self-conscious about them. I just know that there's a social standard within like a pretty, what is pretty. But do you think your teeth are pretty? I don't care about them, really, like what they look like. So You don't care what they look like? No. Okay. I mean, I'm going to fix them soon. But Why? I don't really, mostly because of health issues. Yeah. But not for aesthetic issues. Yeah. But I, it's, I know the, the social climate and what is considered this. So I'm not talking about necessarily me. I'm talking about just kind of society in general. So you don't think that you meet society's beauty standards? Which I don't care about. Right. Mind you. But yes, I don't think I meet it. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Because that's actually kept people away from me in a way that I didn't want to be near. Because if they're just looking at specific things, then... It's kind of like a self-selecting thing. Like, oh, people who are shallow, who don't want to be around me because I don't look a certain way. Well, good, exactly. I don't want to be around those people anyways. Mm -hmm. And I actually go a little extreme on that. And like the mohawk. The mohawk yeah. right now, you know, and I got the, the hand, I got hand tattoo. I got tattoos, you know, all over the place and everything. And I'm okay if that drives people away. Yeah. I'm completely okay with that. But I know right. that it's not, that if I ever wanted to, I wouldn't even call it raise up. I would call it like sink down <laughs> into that, like try to look as pretty as possible specifically to gain status just from that alone. Not from other things, obviously, from the, like, you know, you're talking about being knowledgeable and being caring and for charity and things like that. That's totally different. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not pretty. I'm not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it just sounds, it sounds interesting to me. So, okay, this is going to sound, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't care how it sounds, um, but, <laughs> so, a lot of times, or not a lot of times, sometimes before I go to bed, I look in the mirror, I look into my eyes, and I tell myself, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, 
I am the most beautiful human in this universe. And this room is only big enough for two heads. Like you don't need to, <laughs> if it gets too big in here, we're going to run out of room. So. No. And it's, and I, I truly believe and internalize that because if you don't think that you are the most beautiful human inside and out, who else would ever believe that? And I just think that if we all believed that we were like beautiful from the inside out and we really loved ourselves, the world would be different. And there's this book by, we talk a lot about books we've read, mm-hmm. by, um, oh, what is his name? It's like, I'll have to come back with the name, but the title of the book is Love Yourself Like Your Life Depended On It. Because it does. Yeah, because it does. Mm. Um, he's kind of this like tech entrepreneur from, you know, Northern California who spiraled through depression and talked about how he kind of got out of it and how it can seem from the outside like, you know, you're good looking, you have all the things, the high rise apartment, the like the great that Silicon Valley money Mm -hmm. and still be so miserable. Right. And so that's one of the things he teaches in this book is to say, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. And so hearing you say like, oh, like, you know, I'm not good looking by society, like, I would never even say that, like, you know. Well, like, that doesn't affect what I think about myself. So do, do you believe you're like the most beautiful human? No, because I, I have a weird, I have this whole weird outlook on like what beauty is and all this other stuff. So like, I don't really consider myself the most beautiful person, I consider myself the most uniquely me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a phenomenal thing. Like, yeah, I think each person definitely. is just this offshoot of everything that has happened before in a just different direction. Yeah. And but that's, what if beauty beautiful. is being just uniquely you? What if that's how we define beauty? I think it's just a really vague word, you know? Yeah. And I think, I, I think people can still use I'm not putting, you know, knocking anybody down. I want to use yeah. it. I just, me personally, particularly as a writer and with a vernacular and all these other things, I like to pinpoint exactly what that word is. Yeah. And I think unique is definitely the right word, the right word for, for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with me. You know, I'm good. We're good. Okay and good, <laughs> though? Yeah. Why not, like, great and stupendous if we're going to peg words? I have a inflated sense of humility <coughs> which Bye. sounds like ego <laughs> so there you go <laughs> an inflated sense of humility <laughs> yeah why hmm well i didn't know i was going to be on good therapy here oh but yeah let's just keep going full um, on therapy session right? let's get in the shit uh i guess it comes from being poor most of my life you mm-hmm. know and from you know everyone shitting on me consistently because that was just the world just in general shitting on poor people that's what it does i kind of like no i don't even kind of i i love that i grew up that way yeah because it gave me again a unique experience in the world that now i can look at it from multiple different levels you know i've lived yeah. a pretty good life i lived a shitty life i've lived kind of eh, life you know yeah traveled in between them now granted i've never had a private fucking jet not <laughs> yet at least yeah maybe i need to start telling myself that i am stupendous i'm amazing where's my jet Shit. You know, the we are with ourselves the most, and whatever we tell ourselves, the script is like 
again, the brain is not that smart to discern reality. You know, we were talking about mm -hmm. TV earlier. So whatever you tell it is like, it believes it and it will find ways to make it true. Mm -hmm. Which is actually another book I just read, um, Into the Magic Shop. And it's a neurosurgeon who actually talks about like how to manifest anything with the mind and talking about when you tell it and give it these scripts and you open your heart and you say, this is what I want and you imagine having it, the brain has no other choice than to make it a reality and finds ways mm. to do that. Yeah. Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I, that, that one sounds good to me. What I'm not a fan of is the whole, uh, what's it called, the law of attraction thing i've never read it yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a little woo woo i feel like i've read around it but yeah a little woo woo it's a little woo woo <laughs> um maybe you need a little woo woo in your life a little magic in i your already life. have a little magic a little woo woo in my life you know I've, I've got a few tattoos that mean some very spiritual things to me not in a very not in a direction i was going to ask can you tell me because i was looking at the one on your hand and like what is what is that one for? This one uh, to describe everybody, which they probably they're probably gonna see in the like selfies that I post up with people because I usually put it in there. But it's the uh, it's on my right hand on the back, and that's the Triforce from Legend of Zelda, the video game. Yeah. Because I grew up with that. Yeah. And it was it was when my like five seconds of heavy here stepfather beating <laughs> the, beating the shit out of me, and mm -hmm. you know kicking kicking me around the house and like around the room and all this other stuff. He leaves out the room. Beyond that, they didn't give a shit what I did. I just stayed in my room and played fucking video games. And I'm playing this game to where now there's this hero. There's this hero that goes out and conquers all of these things and does good things. Right. And that, I figured, well, if everything else is <coughs> shitty around me, then I have to become the hero to get rid of the shitty things. Yeah. And that's why I put it so prominently on my hand. And each, each piece means something different it's courage wisdom and power are the three pieces that you uh, put together to make the whole and then the center is the the universe the nothing the everything so there's no peace there so that's the middle of the the transformation of all pieces together into the the for lack of better words the wu, wu wei i don't know if you know what that is no um, it's but... like a chinese concept kung fu concept for you do what you do like, you don't think about the thing that you do. You do what you do and you do the do. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's a natural flow of you do the do. You either do that thing, you do it, or you don't. Yeah. Don't think about doing the thing. You know <laughs> what I mean? Don't, don't go this direction and go, damn, I wish I would have done that thing. Too fucking late for that now. If you want to turn, <laughs> you know, if you want to turn Too later, late. if you want to turn later, that's fine. But for right now, you chose this path and you're going to have to feel it out for a little bit. Right. You know? Yeah. I love that. That has so much more meaning than I thought. <laughs> I like to I like to tell people random things like it's a gang sign. Sometimes <laughs> I tell people that I was in the Egyptian kings because it the looks Egyptian like a pyramid. Kings. Yeah, I don't even know if the Egyptian kings are a fucking gang, but it will be now. It, it will. Watch, I'm gonna get an email from the Egyptian kings. Why are you repping, bro? Why are you, why are you, why are you? <laughs> Pay your dues. Right? They're due. Exactly. Yeah. Send the Venmo. Yeah. Get a membership oh card gosh. in the mail. <laughs> Do you have any tattoos? No tattoos. Hmm. Any particular reason? I was wondering if this question was going to come <laughs> up, actually. Is this a religious thing? <laughs> no, it's actually... So, it's a two-part thing. It, one part being, I love my body. 
exactly as it is. I think it's beautiful and I don't want to put anything on it. I don't know. And the second is that I grew up with a father who scared the living shit out of me and was like, if you come home with a tattoo, I will literally grab a jagged rock and rub the skin raw until the skin, like until that tattoo comes off. Wow. And I literally, so to this day, I mean, not today, today, but a month ago, I still have nightmares of getting a tattoo. Like that, you know, I was drunk one night and I wake up and there's tattoos in my body. I'm like, no, like, (laughs) just like it terrifies me. And I think again, childhood trauma, but mostly I think now it's just like, I don't know. I love my body the way it is. Yeah. I think as as we get older, everyone's like, my tattoo, my tattooing has definitely declined how many that I started to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more plans for more, but mine were, it's like a journal. Yeah. So that's the third reason too, is that I have zero, I don't know how to do things halfway. Mm-hmm. So if I got one tattoo, I would have a whole freaking sleeve. Mm. Done. Do you know what I mean? So... It's better just not to tempt fate. Don't dip your toe in. Just stay out because otherwise you're getting all the way in. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's <laughs> most people. Once you get, once they get that first one, it's like, oh, it's on. Yeah. And again, like it's about spending your money on what's important to you. It's like, I'd rather, because really nice tattoos are expensive. Indeed. And once you start and you, the whole thing, I mean, I'd rather spend that money on polos. So. There you go. Conserve your resources. <laughs> I love my body so much that I'll go damage it playing polo, possibly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And swim with sharks. (laughs) Yeah. I love my body and I put it to work. Right. I mean, I love my body because it does all of those things for me. Mm. It takes me where I want to go. I I honestly feel so grateful that I'm able-bodied, I'm healthy. Honestly, such a, so fortunate. I'm grateful to be alive. Yeah. At this point. I never thought I'd make it past 25. Yeah. Like 25 was kind of my cap off. Yeah. And uh, here we are, 41. Still kicking. <laughs> here we are, still kicking. Here we are, no long-term health problems, except for age. That's right. my only long-term <laughs> health problem. Yeah. And uh, a little bit of a little bit of thinning out and a couple of grays. That's, that's yeah. about it. Yeah, I know. Some gratitude there. Yeah, I'm just honestly really grateful. Um, I did a lot of hospice volunteer work as a kid so in high school for I think sophomore junior year through senior year every single Wednesday middle of the day half of the day was dedicated to service so you didn't have any classes you would get into the cars of the upperclassmen and you would go to your volunteer sites Mm -hmm. and I happened to do hospice care so I was always around people who were dying or at the end of their life so from a very young age, I was very aware of, oh, this is super temporary. Mm-hmm. Like, this this is a rental. That's actually why I keep that skull. Yeah, around. I see the skull here. Yeah. And, and it's got the EMS. It's got my EMS uh, thing on the front of it, too. What is... So the, uh, what, emergency. Oh, when that's I was right. an EMT. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you know, too, like mm-hmm. being around all of that death, it really, you really internalize, hey, like this is, this is it. This is what we've got. You better go and live it. The problem with that, there's kind of negative to that too, because what I realized, I used to very much live in the now. And when people say they live in the now, they don't live in the now. Like when you really, really, truly live in the now, like there's no fucking past. There's no (laughs) fucking future. Like you don't think about the future. There's no planning. There's no nothing. You just kind of do. And I did that for 
decades. Decades. Didn't care about consequences. Now, granted, I wasn't hurting people maliciously or anything, but right. as far as just moving out of a house and not paying rent or not paying a loan back or whatever it was, it was like, that doesn't matter. That's in the future. That was in the past. I don't care about it. This is the now. So that can kind of go to a dangerous level. Yeah, an extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can get a little intense. Yeah. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Well, I will be sure never to swing that far right. no, I doubt into you living in the present. You seem much more intelligent than me in that direction. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, I love all of these tattoos from the one I got in Mexico to these on my arms here with the angels and the, the balance between day and night and sun and moon and all, all the other things. I love them because yeah. I get out the shower, I look in the mirror. And actually, I'll come in here with this long mirror right here mm -hmm. in the studio and just kind of just stare at the tattoos and just memories immediately. Yeah. I know exactly what That's I was beautiful. going through in life. I know who I was dating. I know who other I was going to school. Great. I know all of that. Yeah. My favorite tattoo ever, actually. So my friend Stephanie, she's this really incredible artist and she has some tattoos, but she has this tiny red um, it looked like a C at first to me, but it's an incomplete circle mm. and it's this cute little dainty red tattoo of a broken circle. And I said, Hey Steph, like, what is that? She's like, Oh, it reminds me to break the cycle. Mm. I said, I love that because there have definitely been points in my life where you're in a bad cycle and sometimes you have to find something to break out of it. So it's like, if I ever get a tattoo, that's what I'm getting. I'm going to copy her. <laughs> yeah. I have a tattoo on my, I'm kind of going on about tattoos, but mm -hmm. um, I have a tattoo of the TARDIS from Doctor Who mm -hmm. on my chest. I don't mm -hmm. know if you ever watched that. Mm -mm. But when I was young, I would stay up and watch Georgia Public Television. This was in the 80s, I guess. Or, yeah. 80s, like early 90s maybe. And it was, it's all about this guy who goes around fixing, again, the hero complex thing. Yeah. I have it really bad. It's like really, really bad. <laughs> but uh, fucking martyr hero bullshit rattling around <laughs> my head at all fucking times. But he would go around solving problems and it would usually be the most least violent way possible. Mm -hmm. Because he realized that most things happen because of a mistranslation or a miscommunication. Abso-freaking-lutely. So Preach. What he, that's what he would try and fix. Yeah. And I would do that while I was living with my grandmother because my other home life was dog shit. And I was with my grandmother for a while. Yeah. And I was just sneak up late and sit like six inches from the TV so I could hear it and keep it real low, you know, so nobody would know I'm not. <laughs> and we lived in a trailer too, which made it even harder. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just sneak up and watch that. And then my grandmother died from, she got hit by a diesel truck um, going down the road and I was, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is that the, the, the doctor in Doctor Who, he's like an alien, time travels and all this other stuff. They have two hearts. Mm. And that's one of the major things about them. And I put the TARDIS over the spot where there would be a second heart. And dear, while I was living with her, I got a tumor cut out of my chest. So there was a giant scar there. And I, so I put the TARDIS over the second heart, over the scar. And like it's, it's like all the memories wrapped up all in one. That's Freaking insane. Yeah. It took me a long time to really come up with that. But yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What an insane story. 
You had a tumor in your chest? Yeah, yeah. Your grandmother got hit by a diesel truck? What? Right, yeah. <laughs> I should have been laughing at this. But it was too wild to believe. Sorry, did I brush over a lot of stuff there? Sorry. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no, it's all true. It was, it was all true. Like, it's, yeah, living out in the middle of nowhere and outside of Savannah, Georgia, country shit. So, yeah. Mm. It's my favorite one. It was one of my favorite ones. I am honestly, I mean, I think I've overcome some sh shit in my life. I'm impressed. You've really overcome some now, You shit. came out the other side better than me. Like, you're way more put together than I am. Maybe I more. just look more put together. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. Which I was going to say, by the way, I mean, I, my biological father was also a verbally and physically abusive person. So I know, not quite know what it's like, what you went through, but I know that that's not easy. Yeah. And it's kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like when you see like a pretty person or somebody who has on the outside, like looks like they have things. And you realize, like, oh, they've been through mm. some shit. Yeah. Um, and it's not pretty. And we, you never know, right? Like, we never know the inner workings of other people's lives. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't judge on the, the inner workings or what somebody wants to look like or whatever. I'm just yeah. not a fan of plastic surgery. But, <laughs> but you know. We're not, still coming back to that. Not being a fan. I will convince you by the end of this. Not being a fan is not the same not as don't do it. Not being a fan of it for you, for right. yourself. Right. I, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And from other people. But wait, wait, wait. Fuck no, off. No, 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 fuck you, off. No, no. We're, no. Let people have what they want to have. Let them do what they want to do. I, yeah, I just think that a lot of times it's more, Who cares? It's more dangerous to them psychologically than Who it is cares? to... Who cares? Let them do it. Yeah, It's I their don't. lives. I, I, I'm not saying prevent them from doing it. Yeah. I'm saying I don't like it. I don't have to like it. Yeah. I, have, I have accepted that it's a thing and it's going to happen. And if people want to do it, they can do it. I don't like it. But why does it bother you so much? It bothers me because... I think at the juncture of where people wish they would get plastic surgery, they were definitely at a juncture in their life where they were ready to take on whatever demon that was. I think there's a juncture right there before they do it, when they start thinking about it, where they're, gonna, where they're definitely ready to take on that demon. Maybe not totally ready. And they're still probably still going to get beat up and bloodied and scratched from that demon. But they're ready. But instead... They chose like kind of another path. Now, granted, there are some people that probably do both. How many people do you know who have had plastic surgery? Like, are you just assuming seven, all of this stuff? Seven. Seven people. Mm. And of those seven people, and this is just, again, your experience with mm -hmm. these seven people out of all the people who've ever had plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. Of those seven people, how many of those people do you perceive that they have dealt with that demon? Not. None of them. None. None. So from your sample but that's size, only seven. I can totally understand. Yeah, but that's that only seven. It may seem that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now again, but people, again, I still don't understand why it people, bothers people you. People want to fucking because, do it. Maybe because you're on the receiving end of that shit that they haven't dealt with, that they've just that's band aid right, that they've just band aid fixed, band aid fixed instead right. of scooped out that evil, scooped out the poison. Mm -hmm. And because that person's still broken and is still whatever, has that self-conscious or whatever, and you are on the negative receiving end of that stuff that they haven't dealt with. Yes, but I kind of lump it in, but it's not quite the same, but I kind of do put it in with like circumcision. 
which I don't think should happen. Right. Um, even though I'm circumcised. <coughs> but even though the ba- I know the baby doesn't choose it, but still it's, there's a, there's a maiming of the human body for a social standard. And it's just, I don't, I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan. I'm just not a fan. You're not going to convince me. <laughs> you're not going to convince not gonna do me. It. You're not going to do it. Yeah, I mean. But I, I, I can't be the one to talk shit because I've had 17 piercings. So I have, and I have all these tattoos. So I have altered my body in a specific way that I wanted to that helped me deal with things. Yeah. So then you can't be against people doing the same. I didn't say I was against it. I'm just. You can't be just, bothered by people trying I'm to do bothered. the same. I just don't like it. That's just <laughs> as simple as that. I don't have to like it. <laughs> but you do it to yourself even though you don't like it. Um, I did. I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone else. Definitely not. No, I'm not. But saying I definitely that didn't do it to like increase my social status within a within kind of a, a an aesthetic oriented an aesthetic oriented way. You know what I mean? And actually, it was the quite opposite of that. Right. But but if one is the evil, the other could be the evil as well. Well, I'm not saying it's evil. Yeah. No, not at all. Or unproductive, or no, just any of that stuff is just I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. It's as simple as that. <laughs> uh, how did it feel growing up in Houston and going to LA with that whole aesthetic vibe? Aesthetic vibe. The, the like, like more, like not. More, I guess more concerned with aesthetic than Houston would be, in general. Oh my gosh! And you've probably never been to. You've never been to Dallas then, because there they have that saying, the bigger the hair, the closer to Jesus, baby. Right, And right, it's right. bedazzled belts and high heels and fake eyelashes and makeup. And I mean, nothing in the aesthetic thing. I think it was just definitely more of a political change. Mm. Um, you definitely have a lot of old oil money in Houston um, and California. L.A. is a lot more new rich. Mm-hmm. And you get kind of a more conservative Republican vibe in Texas and a more liberal Democrat vibe in California. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I went native. <laughs> right. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I also never fully bought into or ascribed to anything, right? I, I think my education definitely taught me to look at everything with an analytical eye. And never really fully drink the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Like, take what's useful to you and leave the rest. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, a little bit of both. You know, I'm a uh, vegan, gun-carrying, <laughs> beauty pageant, dirty blonde surfer girl <laughs> who, <laughs> like, partied in, like, the Hollywood Hills where the parties had like mermaids and tigers, but also like would go hunting in mm. Texas. And I am a really good shotgun skeet shooter. Nice. So I feel and that's you know, not easy. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not. It's not, it helps when you have great gear and right. a Benelli, but you know, um, so yeah, I feel like, you know, you get to be whatever you want. You don't have to ascribe to any one thing. And yeah. So yeah, there was a difference, but it never really, um, I don't know. It never really bothered me. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. I feel the same about, you know, picking and choosing what you want from particular cultures and where you're living. I did the same because I'm originally from like the country country. 
outside of Savannah. Rural. 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 Yeah, like the comedy show. <laughs> yeah. Last night, yeah. Yo, real rural. Yeah. You just sound rural when you say rural. You just, you just sound rural <laughs> when you say rural. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I, I grew up with a thick accent. Like, it was <laughs> thick. Oh, darling, I can it lay it thick. on. <laughs> Mama, why didn't you invite me to that? <laughs> it's <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> I got made up so much, uh, made fun of so much when I made it up to New York City. Because I didn't think I had an accent anymore because I kind of got rid of it. But they heard it. Oh, they heard it. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd just be in a bar and start talking to this woman. And then she'd be like, you are from the South, aren't you? And I was like, no, what do you mean? I was like, what? What? <laughs> that ain't true. That ain't true, ma'am. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Calling people ma'am. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know how I, why I originally—I think I might have said this on podcast before—but when I originally changed my accent, I literally stood in front of a mirror and enunciated over and over again. I enunciated really? words to make them clearer, because all you because at that time and still to this day, if you watch any show or any movie or uh -huh. anything like that with a southern in it, they're always dumb. They're always the bad guy. They're always now. There's, it's changed <laughs> a little bit now. There's some shows that are kind of different. right. But right. they were always the fucking idiot. You know? <laughs> they were always the cousin fucking, you know, fucking driving down the road in a fast car. Fucking. Yeah, and I'm not going to deny rod. that because my dad used to have us in a fucking Firebird with oh no no car seats, no nothing. And he's drinking 32 ounces of beer no. and tossing the 32 ounces of beer on a country road at road signs and breaking it on the road signs, wow. speeding down the road. Wow. So... You know, they're not far off from the story. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> per se. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying they're completely off, but not all of us, okay? Right. Exactly. Not all of us. <laughs> Look, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like white people like mayonnaise. Sure. That's, that's <laughs> a thing. But not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. And, you know, it's, I like to think, though, that I never really truly had an accent accent, even though I grew up in Texas, because at least... For me in the 90s, watching TV, like the TV was the babysitter. Mm -hmm. And all of the shows and the media we consumed, or at least that I consumed, had a very standard English that came outside of the studios in Los Angeles. Right. So everything I was consuming all the time was a very standard English. I don't know. So right. I think that's my hypothesis. Except for Dukes of Hazard. But I never watched that. I don't know. I used to that's, watch that. I used to watch that's it. 80s. All right. I don't think that's. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Giving away my age over here. Or <laughs> 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 watching the I Love Lucy on TV. Yeah, yeah. Really aging yourself. Yeah, right. No, I didn't watch the fucking that. No. <laughs> yeah, a lot of 80s shows. Knight Rider, Incredible Hulk, that kind no. of stuff. Yeah. No. Hulk. <laughs> Let's see, what else I got on this stupid fucking pad here? Oh, yeah. Couchsurfing. Couch well, let's go back to that. We started on it and then we'll come back to it. Okay. Uh, uh, what's the weirdest experience you've had on couchsurfing? Weirdest. I got a couple. Uh, <laughs> I've got a couple. You're I, like, I'm ready. I'm locked and loaded. I've hosted a lot of people. So, yeah, you've probably you've hosted a lot more than me. So, the ones I've hosted, totally fine. These two Israeli guys, um, this one. Chinese businesswoman, totally fine. The one where I was maybe like had a moment of being weird was 
gosh, I hope he never hears this. I mean, he'll know though. It was just like, I don't know. He was cool. He was like a younger guy, like rock climber. Um, I stayed with him and we were just, you know, we were sitting on the couch. Laptop was open. We were watching like a TV show. His living room, lights were on. We're eating dinner, watching the TV show. And all of a sudden, he tries to do this sly move of like putting his arm around right. did my yawn? shoulders. Did he yawn? Yeah. Did the, like didn't even do the yawn. Just did the stretch and the arm wrap. I I, I froze for a moment mm. because I, I think men forget this. But I, I mean, women like we are much more aware of our surroundings all the time mm. because subconsciously we know we are the weaker sex. We're just not as strong as you per pound of muscle. We don't have as many fast switch muscle fibers. Like it doesn't matter. If You're you ruining your... the surprise at the end of the episode. You're making <laughs> me the serial killer here. <laughs> I know. Jesus. But you know, it doesn't, I mean, though women's drug of choice, poison, we just had tea. Just oh, saying. Fuck, damn it. So there are a lot of factors here. Fuck. But so we know, like it doesn't matter if you pay your taxes, take Muay Thai classes and whatever. I'm mm. an independent woman. You still know in the back of your head, like I am prey. Mm-hmm. And I need to be a careful and aware. Right. And so I don't think you ever know what you're going to do in those situations. And I've definitely frozen before. But I was at the age where I was like, okay, I'm 29 years old. This kid's 25. I've been around the block. I know what this is. So I froze for a moment. And then I was just like, okay, what do I do? Because I'm staying in this man's house. And so I just kind of like slid, inched away, <laughs> like moved the arm. And then that was it. That was it. Cool. So it was just a weird moment. Right. It never got weird again. And I don't know. You're just like bros and homies and like it was chill. Okay. Cool. But it was like a moment where I was like, bro, come on. Like what indication at all did I give you that this was going to happen? Yeah. I think a lot of guys have a problem with signals. Read the room. Um, Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah. But one of the things that fucks a lot of guys up is... If most of the time, the woman is not going to make the first move. Pretty much 99% of the time, in my experience, the woman's not going to make the first move. So if you have something in your head where you're just thinking about someone, and you're like, oh, well, maybe they're into me. They've been really nice to me. Whatever. Uh, I have to make the first move. And as far as first moves are concerned, that's not that bad. Yeah, it's I guess, not. Yeah. You know? And it yeah. turned out okay, You I know, guess. this actually brings me back. I hate to like cut the couch surfing thing. No, so go for it. this is like a random. So I used to teach men how to pick up women. What? For real? For real. In Los Angeles, I don't know if you've ever heard of Neil Strauss's book, The Game. I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Penetrating anything, yeah. the Underground Society of Pickup Artists in Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is what it's called, I believe. Um, so, what, a pro- what a very appropriate <laughs> word. So, okay, I have a story for you. So. I moved back to Los Angeles and, okay, that's another story. Okay, I'm trying to like shorten the story for you. I'm moving back to Los Angeles. We have plenty of time. I see, you're like, oh, we have plenty of time. Because if I were to start it from the beginning, it's a wild ride. Okay. But essentially, let's just say I had a falling out with my family. I had to rescue my dog from being murdered because he bit a kid. And we fled like outlaws from Texas to head to California. Wow. And 
Harboring so, a fugitive. I was harboring a fugitive. <laughs> but you know what? That dog was my ride or die. Okay? Mm, right. He had been in my life at that point for probably 14 or 15 years. So screw that kid. Okay? Yeah. It was about my golden retriever. That's so. like your best friend showing up with a dead hooker in the car and being like, dude, I don't know what happened, but you're like, I got shovels. Let's <laughs> shovels. go. <laughs> we got the carpet. Roll it up. Right. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we wind up back. My dog and I, we wind up back in Los Angeles, and it's been a while since I'd lived there. I'd li- lived there in college, but I hadn't been back in a while. And I get there, and I have a good friend of mine, a French friend of mine who I knew in Houston, who now lived in L.A., and he's very bourgeoisie. He's like, let us go to uh, a very fancy place and uh, you know, do cocktails, blah, blah, blah. Like, cool, That's pretty great. Good. Yeah, well, I have a lot of French friends, so my French impression's pretty deep. Right. And uh, so I show up there, and naturally, he's French, so he's late, at mm. least half an hour. So I'm waiting in this hotel lobby of this nice place in L.A., and I'm just sitting there, you know, dressed nicely, and this guy comes up, starts talking to me, and we're just talking, and he's really cool, blah, blah, blah. And then I say, yeah, you know, um, I studied uh, cognitive neuroscience in undergrad. It was one of my majors, and... I focused on Jesus NLP. Christ. I had like a whole list here and you're just putting a bunch of other shit on it. I know. <laughs> I know. And so coming was, out of nowhere. It was, anyway, yeah, yeah, it was one of my undergrad right. degrees right. and I happened to specialize in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. Which is, have you heard of it? It's essentially saying, using certain words to... Elicit certain emotions or responses. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. I think manipulations are really, it has a lot of negative connotations to it. I agree. But it's not necessarily malicious, right? It's mm-hmm. trying to get a desired result. Anyways, so, and then in that moment, he just froze. He's like, wait a minute. Are you one of the instructors here? Like, what? Like, instructors for what? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're here for the conference, right? I said, what conference? No, I'm meeting my French friend for a drink. And he said, oh my gosh. He's like, you're not here for the conference. And he said, do you know Neil Strauss? It's like, of course I've known Neil Strauss. Like, I've read his book, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, I thought I was being set up. He's like, I'm here for the conference. Like, you should come. Oh, he thought you were a plant. He thought I was a plant. Oh. And I said, no, I'm not. But like, actually, yeah, I would love. And he's like, okay, I'm going to ask and I'm going to see if you can come tomorrow. So I end up coming the next day to this conference room in this very fancy LA hotel. I don't remember which hotel it was right now, but it's just a room full of dudes, right? Right. And Neil Strauss, (laughs) who is like one of my all-time favorite authors, is sitting up on the stage giving a talk to these guys on how to pick up women. And I'm sitting there in the back, just obviously the only woman in the room. And he kind of calls me up to the stage and he says, hey, can you come here? I want to show the guys something. And so I said, okay, sure. I go up there and he puts his hands out like this in front of me, like palms faced up, and he said, you know, put your hands in mine. So I kind of placed my hands on top of his hands, and so he's talking, talking, and he's talking to them, and then he lowers his hands, and I lower my hands with him. He's like, whoa, wow, like, you trust me already. I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, if you had kept your hands up while I pulled my hands down, it means you don't trust me, but because Mm. you came with me, you trust me. So it's situation calibration, right? And right. so um, 
anyways, it was super cool. I like helped him a little bit and there were guys coming up to me like, thanks so much for being here. Like this really helps me a lot, you know, Hmm. um, to see that it works and blah, blah, blah. And so fast forward months later, I would run into, so I know about this world, right? I mean, I've studied it. I've read books about it. I would, there was this long haired guy who was trying to pick me up at the bungalow in Los Angeles. And I said, dude, what's your deal? What's going on here? I was like, are you trying to use some stupid NLP trick on me? And he's like, wait, how do you know? It's like, guys think that they're the only one who's read, they're the only ones who have read this book. It's like, no, bro, like, I'm not dumb. And he owned a company that was the major competitor company to Neil Strauss's company. So I ended up doing consulting work with them because of my NLP background. And I was a plant. And I did help people, you know. And I actually love it. Like, I love helping men because what you're teaching them are things that society and their places where society and their family and friends have failed them. Right. They have not learned the social cues to learn how to calibrate a situation. Mm. And a woman will sleep with you when she's comfortable with you. Right. But you have to figure out, okay, how do I gauge comfortability? Mm-hmm. So for example, I would teach guys, okay, you know, you're in a bar. Say you grab her hand and you lead her to the bar to go get a drink, right? But on your way to the bar as you're going through the crowd, let go of her hand. If she's still holding on to your hand, she wants to go where you're going. Mm-hmm. She wants to go where you're taking her. If she lets go of you, she is not comfortable. She does not want to go right. where you're taking her. Time to start over or time to like move on because this girl's not interested in Wait, you. Wait, I thought you just kicking and screaming. You. you just <laughs> pull them over there. <laughs> yeah, so I am 100%. I think it's super important to teach men how to like calibrate things with women because I think a lot of things will be avoided like sexual assault, rape. Of course, you're never going to get rid of all of that. Right. But I mean, I'm interested one in like helping men, but also helping women be safer because I've been in a situation where the guy hadn't properly calibrated the situation and he sexually assaulted me. Mm. And I felt like that. And again, you think you're an independent badass woman. I've taken like Muay Thai, like Taekwondo, all these things. But when you're in a situation, I froze. I froze and I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? So I think it's super important to teach men that. But yeah, Absolutely. that was my sidebar from the couch huh. surfing yeah. well, no, situation. That actually, it, it ties in because that makes you feel safer when you're couch surfing at least because you now you know the psychology behind it. Like to, to be able to look at someone and just kind of feel them out you know particularly within the first like because i know whenever i have a female couch surfer like the first thing is always like as soon as they come through the door and you did the same thing too is just start looking all around the place (laughs) just every little crevice and every little thing just scanning the whole room but that's that's not just women couch surfing that's women all the time everywhere you want to know why because women can tell you the last time they felt their life was in danger. And I swear to you, it'll be within the last couple of weeks. You ask a man the last time he felt his life was genuinely in danger. Most men, not all, most men could only tell you three times in their life. Mm-hmm. They can't say like, oh, last week, the week before last week when I was catcalling and when I was walking at night. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So 
as women, we're constantly taking in that data to assess, is this a safe situation or do I need to get the fuck out of here? Right. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. 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 I was actually surprised you hugged me when you first got here. <laughs> really? Because that usually doesn't happen. That's why I was yeah. kind of thrown off. I was like, oh, uh, all right. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> so we're do doing that. this. We're going to do that so soon? Okay, cool. All right. So, <laughs> I'm friendly. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Which I think it's really funny, by the way, that you recognized me at the grocery store when we both had our masks on after just seeing some photos of me. Yeah, well, it was interesting because, okay, so a little backstory on this one for the yeah. audience yeah. is that when you showed up to my door, I was like, wait a minute. I was just standing next to you at fucking Publix at the grocery store. <laughs> and yeah. it was mostly because I was, you know, we were doing the self-checkout thing. And right. I think I was on your left side. And I was sitting there and I kind of looked over and I'm not going to lie, I checked out your ass. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't know who you were. And I was just, uh, just kind of checked you out your ass. You were a random passerby. Therefore, right. I was entitled to a check. Not, not entitled, <laughs> but I appreciated it. I didn't touch anything, yeah. obviously. I appreciated it. And um, it's like art, you know, very much is. I mean, the female yeah. body is living, breathing, walking art. 100 fucking percent. Absolutely <laughs> agreed. And so I appreciated the art. And but I, I, I heard your voice and I kind of like your hair and like coming out the back of your hat and everything else. Yeah. And the other thing was the boots. Yeah, that was the first thing I noticed when you were when you're walking up. It was like the hair with the boots and because, you know, the, the type of boots you had, those brown, like the blue, the brown with the brown tip with the, on the it. duck boots. Yeah, the duck boots. Yeah. You don't see those very often. Right. With women Not in them, the at least. Florida summer. Right. In yeah. the Florida summer or just women wearing in general around here. Really? Yeah, I guess so. So it was kind of like a, like a sign. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this she's not. This person's not from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also this place is small and you kind of know your hood, like who's around. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's not that small to where I like know everybody or anything. Right. But like general feeling, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But I kind of recognize you too, even though we were wearing masks. I was like, but he didn't have a mohawk. I was like, maybe he had got one now. Yeah. Because I, I noticed there was a small little moment where we kind of like did a weird take towards yeah. each other. We were like, wait a minute. What? Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, we'll figure this out soon anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Cool little coincidence. Random. Yeah. Oh, weird story for me from Capsurfing. Yes, let's and hear it. And it's it. not even that bad. It's just weird. It's just um, weird. Oh, it, it was this guy from Germany. Sorry, I know it's hot in here. It's yeah. just like I turned it off for the sound. Yeah. Uh, but... I invite this this guy who's German, and he has an English message and everything, and he he comes to the door and he as soon as I he knocks on it, I was in Savannah, I open it, and before I could say like hey welcome you know or whatever he throws out a twelve pack of beer like a really nice beer and just like holds it up and I was like we're friends, <laughs> so I take it That's and I'm like sweet. I'm like come on in man you know yeah I got put the beer in the refrigerator and I'm like you know. Grab a couple and I'm like, did you want a beer? And he's like, just kind of, yeah. You know? So I grabbed the beers and we started drinking them and I'm showing around the house. And this is this house is insane. Um, if you look at the reviews on my couch surfing profile, some of the earlier ones were like, holy shit, I don't think I've ever drank that much in my life. <laughs> like, that, that's some of the reviews on there because it, like, <coughs> it was a party house. And it was, it was four people that lived there. We had an in-ground pool. We had metal bands playing in the backyard. What? We had something called the Sin Bin. Which was used, oh gosh. used to be a chicken coop on the outside of the house. Yeah. But we they ended up putting two booths in there for like from a bar. Like oh. two full booths with a table in the middle and everything. 
and it had a, a bar with a refrigerator behind it and everything that we could just go grab beers or make drinks or whatever it is. And hanging from the ceiling were nothing but like bras and panties. Wow. It was Rock like, and roll, baby. Rock was, and roll. It was like that when I first moved in there. And it only got worse. And dude, <laughs> rock and roll is not even fucking the half of it. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, guy shows up here. He's pretty quiet. He's only saying a few words. And some of my, my neighbor from across the street, Brandon, who was actually on an episode of this, um, I think like three ago or something like that. Brandon. Yeah. Jackson, he comes over and my roommate's coming and we're all drinking and everything. This guy's pretty quiet. Yeah. And he's not really saying much every time somebody try, tries to talk to him. And yeah. we're drinking and we're all getting shit-faced. We're all getting <coughs> red and wobbly and yeah. fucking whatever. And uh, somebody's telling this funny story and everybody laughs. And this guy, he leans forward and he starts telling what to him is the most amazing funny story ever in German. And we no. had no idea what the fuck this guy was saying. Zero. But it was hilarious <laughs> because it, just the way he, his intonations and the way yeah. he was moving his arms and you could tell it was a funny story. And he's yeah. like, you know, you know what I mean? We're just like, oh yeah, totally. God. We know what you mean, totally. And he finishes the story and right at the end of it, you can tell it's the punchline just by hearing it, <laughs> even in German. And he drops it, and we all just start busting out laughing, and he's laughing, and we're all laughing. Oh, And my we gosh. had a great night. It, was, it wasn't, like, weird. I'm like, I wasn't, like, awkward or anything. It was just yeah. a little on the weird side. Yeah. But I guess he really didn't speak English. Like, he never really spoke it. He would say, like, yes and no and beer, please, you know, like, stuff like that. But he didn't really speak any of it. I was like, how the fuck are you getting by in this country, that is dude? Amazing. That was before like Google Translate was a big thing too. Yeah. Like, dude, that's balls. Can you imagine? That's serious, serious vaginal fortitude, I like to say. Oh, uh, okay. Vaginal like, fortitude. Can you imagine going to Germany, <laughs> dropping in on a German house, and just doing what he just did? Like, <laughs> like telling the whole story in English and yeah. trying to get everyone to laugh. Oh my gosh. See, it was, it was fucking great. It was awesome. <laughs> I love was, that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and as, as much as I tried to avoid it within like, I think it was like the first year or so, I refused to sleep with people that came because I figured that's crossing the line. You know what I mean? It was uh -huh. like a weird, I'm not going to do it. And then like, yeah. there was actually people that were like actually disappointed at this. Like women that were actually disappointed. <laughs> like, They're like, no, no, I'm telling you that I want to fuck you. And I'm like, right? no, I just can't because, you know, there's like a line and like all this other stuff and, you know, whatever. And oh, then I finally I finally gave in. I finally gave I in. I finally and, yeah. gave in. I, I couldn't help it any longer. My morals were just, just <laughs> got crushed. Like they were just asking for it. Yeah, so. pretty much. They was in plain language too. There was no... Yeah. Mistranslation. There was no like. That is so funny. It's like. That was. I, I grew up. Come with... for the couch, stay for the D. Mm, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually what I didn't want to happen was staying for the oh, D. Oh, yeah. So then they're moving in. <laughs> right. It's yeah. supposed to be temporary. Yeah. Maybe. A person you just met 24 hours ago. Like, oh, well, that's great, Dick. Looks like I'm moving in. Oh, well. That's yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I need a visa in this country. Right. So exactly. Let's get married. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was some good times with that, too. <clears throat> yeah. So, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the house was crazy. Yeah, man, I've, I think I've hosted like 60-something people. That's wild. That's amazing. Yeah, it has been amazing. 
Yeah. I love that. That is so... I mean, I don't know why you do couch surfing, but that's, like, I think that's really, like, to open your home to someone is just really, like, generous. And I think it just speaks volumes about people who are willing to do that. And I think it also speaks volumes. There's a volumes. selfish bit in there, too, though. Yeah. You know. Getting to know, like, cool and interesting people. Right. And, like, yeah. And it also speaks volumes, I think, to people willing to be vulnerable to to put themselves, you know. And it's just... This, it reminds me of Halloween, actually. So mm-hmm. Halloween's my favorite holiday because it shows the goodness of humanity and the trust in humanity. You're literally trusting your children to go to strangers' homes mm. and take food and eat that food and be okay. And we do it every year. And it's, I mean, minus COVID, but right. we, you know, it just shows that, like, we have faith in each other as a community and we like trust each other and we love and take care of each other. And so that to me is kind of like Halloween is kind of like couch surfing. It's like well, even as an trust. adult, because I still love Halloween. Yeah. I'm fucking, st- I'm 41 years old. I'll still love your fucking <laughs> Halloween. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go house to house knocking, you know what I mean? But I'm going to go to the, you know, have a little friend's party in their, their house or whatever it is. Right. And you're still, and in New Orleans, go out through the French Quarter. Oh, and everything. yes. Halloween. Dude, it's and already Nola. a costume city. Yeah. And on Halloween, It'll I can't imagine. Up. I'm pretty sure it's like one step below Mardi Gras. Yeah, it is. It's just one step below. It's crazy and it's awesome. And people have the most imaginative costumes that they have worked for 11 months on. You yes. know, like, and they're they're gorgeous and well done and yeah. crafted. And But you're also trusting a bunch of people around you have masks on. You're walking down the street around a bunch of people in a city that is known for its crime. Yeah. With masks on. That's so true. So that in itself is pretty trusting as well right as an adult yeah it's my favorite holiday i love it <laughs> okay good we share our favorite yeah. holiday yeah yeah I, tried, I did a tyler durden costume one year in the <laughs> really? fight club yeah we don't talk about that, fight was club. that was a fun one that's true <laughs> that was one of my favorite movies actually it's a great fucking movie i had to use you, you have to watch it multiple times to get new different bits and pieces and that's what's great about right. it right and particularly the not necessarily the damnation of masculinity, but the damnation. Uh, and there's multiple tiers to it. There's not just masculinity. There's also like cult-like behavior and a bunch of other stuff. But there's also the, 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 the men who are lost now that we are not banging things over the head for food. Mm-hmm. You know, and our systems are still raging going, bang things on the head. Like there's still <laughs> a part of the back of our head going, bang things on the head. You know, yeah. and, like, you can't do that anymore. So our yeah. brains, you have to. We we're having to rewire it, and I think there's a lot of guys out there that are still lost when it comes to that. They don't know how to yeah. act in the modern world. To them, right. it's it's more about oh, I have to show that I am alpha. I have to show whatever fuck alpha means. Like nowadays, that's been fucking people right. talk about it all the time. But yeah, I don't know. but yeah, there there was that level. There was the cult like behavior of starting something that was actually helping people, even though it was violent. I mean, men have violent tendencies. That's mm-hmm. just a thing that we have in us. It's that testosterone. testosterone. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a thing that happens. And I know I get, that's why I take Kung Fu so I can get it out. Yeah. Know? I have quite a bit of testosterone. So I have to go and expel that in a healthy way. Right. In a and, healthy and or productive way, anything. Right. And so the fight club itself is not bad. Like people want right. to, you want to get bloody, go get bloody. Fuck yeah. it. Ain't nobody stopping you. You know, yeah. go get it out. Right. But when it gets to that, like, you know, like now you have to follow these rules. Don't talk about Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Club. 
first night you gotta fight, all this other stuff. Then it yeah. turns into more rules, then it turns into more rules. And essentially it's someone taking lost people and making them into a cult. And the, and the, and I think the best part about that whole thing is not that gay men can't <coughs> be, um, I don't like to use the word toxic, but I guess hyper-masculine, I guess, or whatever. Not that they can't be, because they can be, I've seen them. Yeah. But And, and, and they're human. There's testosterone, that's what happens. But Chuck Palahniuk is gay. And he like wrote this whole book about kind of seeing it from the different perspectives of what masculinity is. So he was able to be in it and outside of it at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's what made the story. Yeah. I love honestly talking about masculinity because it's finally a dialogue in society and there's toxic masculinity. There's like, you know, good, like, um, what's the word? Masculine and feminine balance. And I think (laughs) as a society, we've feminized things that are intrinsically human qualities like the ability to show emotion Mm. that's not feminine or masculine having emotion is part of the human condition but americans no it's not i don't have any emotion i know what you're talking about (laughs) but americans we've said no that's feminine Mm -hmm. and in order to be masculine you must reject everything feminine Mm -hmm. so you have generations of men in this country who are rejecting their own humanity and where does that lead like mass incarceration you know, bloody wars, like lots of things. Mass murder. Yeah. And so there's this incredible documentary called The Mask We Live In that kind of discusses this. And it's just, it's riveting. It's so good. I think there's this scene. Have you heard of this uh, TV show called Fleabag? No. There's this scene where these two women are talking. They're talking, this woman, she just, um, she's like, yeah, you know, um, I'm finally out of menopause, you know. She's like, I think the women, women, we we grow up and we get our cycles and it's pain and it's suffering and it's, you know, it's brutal and we give birth and like it, it's hard and we have all of this happening inside of our bodies all the time. And she says men don't experience this. She's like, so they go out and they seek the pain and they do things like fights and wars and blah, blah, blah. She's like, for us, they, like it lives in us. But men, like they go and they seek it out. And I thought that was such a weird an interesting way to look at it i would disagree with that really i think men have a lot of pain of their own but i think it's a lot of psychological i think we have a lot of cycle we have things pulling us back and forth consistently like i was saying earlier about wanting to like conquer something but not because the society we live in that's not how it works anymore so there's this consistent pull back and forth like Mm -hmm. if i'm at a bar and some guy just starts talking mad shit to me just match yeah. it. Just, just, just railing at me. I there, there's two solutions to it. I can be like, listen, man, like, none of this is necessary. Can I buy you a drink? Like, you know, find something in common. Anything. Let's do this. Or I can solve it very quickly, just by knocking him out. Right. And that's a quick solution. And nobody in that <laughs> is that bar, really a solution? But though? nobody in that bar is going to argue with it. Right. That's the thing. Because you, just, I mean, you sit there for like fucking 15, 20 minutes talking shit straight. Like, and somebody knocks you out, people are just going to be like, yeah, you kind of fucking deserve that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's that consistent pull. And I consider myself a pretty evolved person. But even I still get that sometimes. It's like in the back of my head, it's like pulling on me, you know? And it's like testosterone, maybe, or maybe culture, or what I don't know what it is. Right. But there's definitely a lot of, a lot of that. And I think yeah. that we take a lot of a lot more responsibility than we need to sometimes, at least in our own heads. Maybe not in actuality, yeah. but in our heads. 
we think we are the the the, the protector the, the custodian provider, of it you know like yeah i have to protect everyone around me right just yeah. consistently the hero right the hero actually absolutely <laughs> that's where the hero complex yeah. comes from absolutely is that that fight you know and you're it's i think most humans have a monster in them they know they have a monster they could be a monster oh yeah and we're all capable of good and evil absolutely and i i think that manifest in different ways in men and women but with men and there's definitely there's usually more blood involved <laughs> so yeah. yeah or at least visibly mm-hmm. it's more the violence is more in your face right yeah and i think in general yeah and more percentage wise all right let's all right. end it there yeah <laughs> on awesome. a dark on a really dark place. note Oh my goodness. Men are monsters. That's where we'll <laughs> no, end it. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. Amanda. Yeah. Amanda Leon. Joey. Leon. Joey, thanks for having me. Indeed. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Plug some stuff. Let's go. Plug what's some your, stuff. What's your I don't know. Oh, marketing business? Yeah. Well, yes. Marketing business. And oh, marketing business is definitely um, Unearth. So you can find us at unearth.com. Spell that out. Because it's like a weird spelling, right? U-N-R-T-H dot com. Got it. Yeah. And so, again, only if you need my help. If you don't need my help, keep doing what you're doing. You're great. You're a star. If you need help, I'm here to help you. Um, If you want to follow, like, the polo tour journey, which, honestly, even if you're not interested in polo, it's just, or you're even not interested in travel. If you just want to be part of, like, this journey that is going to be brutal and awesome all at the same time i think it's for you that's mostly going to be on instagram so it's amanda.polo on instagram mm. or amanda-leon leon.com and yeah honestly i'd be happy for people to be part of my family and my journey because i am alone a lot of the times and so when i'm talking to people like and they're responding to me like great i don't feel like i'm alone and it's awesome and i love it well, you heard it here first. Cure Amanda's loneliness. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm childless, husbandless, dogless, homeless, all of the less. <laughs> all right. That's it. Yeah. And everybody out there, always remember, go fuck yourself. Done. <laughs>